Hello, spring 2023 economics. This is your midterm review. The midterm will take place the week of the 6th, which is um, Monday. And it'll run through the 10th. I'm not sure what the date will be for your uh, exam. Uh, that'll be, that should be communicated to you by someone else other than me. Uh, the review that I'm going to go over can be found on our in our classroom, so uh, you might want to grab it and um, you know take a look at it as we go through it. I don't take it up, but uh, you know, this is the material. These are the topics and things like that that you need to know uh, to to do well uh, on this test. Um, there is a mix of short answer. It's mostly multiple choice questions, so don't get me wrong. There is. Um, there's not a lot of, of graphing uh, or writing, but there is some short answer and graphing questions you'll have to take care of. Uh, but it's mostly multiple choice. So just uh, be prepared for that. All right. Uh, so let's jump into it and get going. So first off, you've got economics there. All right. And the thing to remember about economics is that it's not necessarily the study of money. Now, sometimes people want to be like, oh, it's money, 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 money. But economics is actually the study of our choices. All right. And so we are all faced with choices uh, almost every day. Uh, not almost every day. We have the choice of getting out of bed or staying in bed. We have the choice of stopping for breakfast or going on to school uh, or going on to work or whatever it might be. Um, but we have choices every day and the choices we make that's economics okay so we make these choices the choices these decisions on a daily basis and um, that's what economics is really looking at now is it going to include all the stuff that uh you know we sometimes think of uh with economics money and and stuff like that taxes and, and all that kind of stuff yeah it sure does but um you know, overall, just remember that uh, it is going to be the, the study of our choices and, you know, the effects that come from those choices. So, you know, I choose to, to take the day off and maybe I'll lose my job at some point because of that. So, you know, that kind of stuff can and does happen uh, on a regular, not, it, that doesn't happen on a regular basis, but, you know, I've, you know, when people decide to stay home and they lose their job, but it could, you know, it's a, if it's a habit you have. Okay, next thing there is a public good. And a public good is going to be, you know, those things um, that are out there. Um, you can't, like, let's say a public park, okay? Um, you can't say, well, you can't come into this park. Everybody's allowed to come into it. So, you can't exclude anybody um and it's uh yeah so you can't say to people you can't come into this thing the factors of production there are four factors of production that you need to know uh they are land labor capital and entrepreneurs the land is any kind of natural resource and that's uh, you know, fields, cattle, uh, whatever it might be. That's, that's all that stuff. 
All right. Um, and if you see land, just, just remember, it could be living things like cows, pigs, goats, that sort of stuff. It could be a field where there's crops being grown. It could be uh, a forest, whatever it might be. All right. So land, labor, uh, any job, anybody working a job is made up of labor. So if uh, you have a job, you're part of the factors of production. You're labor. I'm labor. Okay. Uh, so anybody working is a part of that. Uh, capital. Now, don't get confused here. And I wish that uh, economics would kind of come up with a better way to, or differentiate, I guess would be the better way to say it. Because you got capital. And a lot of times we'll think of capital as um, the money. So, hey, I've got this capital built up and it's uh, this, that, you know, have this much money. But capital in this case is going to be the tools. So the things that we use to make other stuff. So hammers, nails, screwdrivers, bulldozers, work trucks, whatever, whatever you think of. That's the capital we're talking about here. There's also human capital, which is you know, us as, and, as part of the labor force. But for this, for the purposes of the factors of production, it is going to be uh, the, the, the tools and things like that. And then finally, entrepreneurs. Those are individuals that take risks with their money. They're a key part of our economy because really we need them. They're the ones that start up businesses. Not everybody is out there starting up a business. And so a lot of the products and the resources that we have comes from these entrepreneurs taking those chances uh, with goods, uh, or with, with uh, uh, businesses and things like that. All right, opportunity cost. So opportunity cost is going to be the cost of whatever you give up. So on the test, there's going to be some like scenarios where it's going to say, hey, this person does this, this, and this. And you have to figure out, well, what's the opportunity cost? So just remember, it could be anything. It could be your time. So, you know, you're, you're spending some time now listening to this podcast, studying for this test. What could else could you be doing? Well, you could be sleeping. Maybe this thing's putting you to sleep. I don't know. But you could be doing a lot of other stuff. So the opportunity cost of studying for this test is whatever else you could be doing with your time. Maybe it's money. Hey, if I do this, I'll make this much money. But if I do that over there, I'll lose this much money, so on and so forth. So the opportunity cost could be, uh, you know, the money. Uh, it could be resources. <clears throat> it could be any number of things, but it's whatever you give up to make a choice. So if I make this choice, I give up this. That's the opportunity cost. Now, in production, remember this deals typically with the PPC, the production possibilities curve, which we'll get to a little bit later uh, in the review. But uh, we are limited to how much we can make. We have limited resources. There's limited man hours. There's limited factory space. There's limited shipping space. There's, you know, everything's limited. <clears throat> and so if we're diverting all our resources to one thing, if we all of a sudden decide, hey, we're going to make this over here now, then we got to give up. Excuse me. We got to give up something, and it's typically going to be um, the, the opportunity cost is well. If I make this many of this product, then I got to give up this much of this product. So that's what we're talking about there. <clears throat> very, very sorry. All right, the three essential questions: so, what to produce, how to produce, and for whom to produce. Basically, every economic system, which we get to in a little bit, has to answer the questions: what to produce, how to produce, and for whom. So. If we were all to be stranded on an island, okay, and we're going to have to survive, we got to decide, well, with the resources we have, what should we try to produce? 
now. Maybe we have some seeds that we can grow some crops. So we need to farm. We need to produce these vegetables so we can eat. Maybe we have some material to, to fish off of the island. So we need to, to catch fish. So we got to decide what are we going to produce. Then we got to decide how. So are we going to divide up the labor? Are we going to all just do the same thing? You know, uh, on a bigger scale, you can do factories. Uh, what are you going to do? How are you going to produce this stuff that you've decided to produce? And then we got to decide for whom. For whom are we going to produce? Are we going to make stuff for just ourselves to sustain ourselves? Are we going to make stuff to trade? Are we going to make stuff to sell? So who are these products being made for? You know, kind of, and, and kind of what's the purpose behind uh, them? And, and how, what are we going to do? Get them to market and things like that. All right, market failure. So uh, the markets, and, and we're going to talk about a couple of different markets uh, eventually, I believe. Um, market failure can happen for you know, any number of reasons, really. Um, if the, the main one is going to be, or I shouldn't say the main one, but one of the big ones, if there's, especially in, a, in like a free market economy like we're in, if there's not competition. So if we get into a situation where there's only one seller of a product, then that leads to market failure because that's not fair to us as consumers. Okay. Uh, markets can also fail if the resources of so the factors of production uh, are not used efficiently. You know, we talked about this with the PPC when we did that way back at the beginning of the semester uh, in that, you know, we get to a point where things are going bad and things are going poorly. Uh, if that happens long enough, that could lead to market failure. All right, the PPC, production possibilities curve. Now, on the test, there's gonna, there's not going to be questions like, hey, define PPC. Uh, the, the, the questions are looking at graphs. So there's graphs for you to look at. Remember the PPC. And I know it's tough to do with a podcast. But remember, you've got your, uh, your, your Y and X axis. Okay. And then you've got two products, two goods that you're looking at. So let's say uh, cars and laptops. So cars is going to be on the y-axis, y-axis, uh, the uh, laptops will be on the, the x-axis. And we read it by looking at the production. So, you know, if we're using all of our resources to produce cars, then we're going to be maximizing cars. And that's it's going to be 100 cars and zero laptops. So we'd, we'd start there. Uh, if we're going to make all laptops and no cars, then we'd be on that other axis. And then as we start to divert resources and we make other things, so we start to, well, we won't just make cars. We'll make some laptops. So let's give up 20 cars to make 15 laptops. And so we start to see the, the plot points uh, moving, and it creates this arc, remember. Yeah, I say an arc. Um, I'm not sure the best way to describe it. Hopefully you remember looking at it as we did look at it, um, and you did some practice with it as well for some classwork. Um, just remember the points on the curve are going to be uh, the production points. So that's where we're producing, you know, 55 cars and 45 laptops. Remember, we have limited resources. We cannot, let's say man hours, we can't go beyond 40,000 man hours because that's all the man hours we have. We can't say, well, we'll just do 65,000. And we'll produce all this stuff. We, we don't have that many hours. We don't have that many resources. So we, we have to make choices. We have to make some opportunity costs come in there. 
<clears throat> about what we're going to make. Uh, remember, on the inside, that's where we're getting into market failure. That is bad things. You know, there's uh, factories sitting unused. There's people out of work if we have sunk inside the graph or inside the curve. Uh, on the outside, that's where we can't get to. There's just no way for our resources to, to meet that point. And so it just doesn't happen. So um, trying to think what else is on the test. Just remember, you know, you're going to have to look at these uh, to, to practice and to study. Take a look at some of the, the old handouts, the old uh, the stuff you did. I think it was week one or two uh, of the class and you had some production possibilities practice. So be sure you're taking a look. Uh, just so you're sure you know what to, what's going on. All right, the circular flow. So the circular flow uh, is going to be basically <clears throat> the flow of money. All right, and you've got four areas in the factors of production. You've got the factor market, the product market, and then households and businesses. And basically, you need to be able to follow you know, the money. Um, in the product market, that's where we, the households, buy products from the businesses. So we will uh, give our money and the money will flow in the circular flow towards the businesses because they are providing us a product. In the factor market, that's where we, the households, provide stuff to the businesses. So the businesses are sending money our way up in the factor market. And um, it's all about that flow. The, the circular flow is all about the, the money and which way it goes, and which way the products and the resources go. Uh, once again, there's a, not once again, but just like the PPC, there is a, uh, a graphic. Uh, it shows you the, the circular flow, and you have to read it and figure out what's going on uh, in there. All right, the types of economies. So uh, you've got mixed, command, and market. Uh, the mixed economy, remember, that's where you're going to have uh, a little bit of of multiple things, multiple parts uh, of, a, of the mixed economy. Um, that's, <laughs> that's very broad of me to say that, say it that way. Um, but it's where um, there are some free market parts, but there might also be some parts that are socialist, some parts that maybe come from command. It's where you have different components, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, and so the, uh, so for example, let's say, you know, China can be an example of mixed because there are some capitalistic stuff going on uh, in, in China, but they also have a lot of government intervention there as well. Okay. Uh, command is where there's going to be just really the, uh, not real, just really, it's, it is the government that which tells everything. So, hey, you're going to do this, you're going to work here, you're going to produce this much, so on and so forth. There's not much freedom in the command economy. And then the market economy, uh, that's kind of that, that's where we're at with the uh, Americans, American side, uh, in that you have all the choice. Private citizens own the factors of production. Uh, we get to choose where we're going to work. We get to choose where we're going to spend our money. So we have all these options uh, and all these choices uh, in the market economy. All right, let's take a quick break there. We'll be right back.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, kind of welcome back. So we're picking up with uh, capital under the types of economies. Um, all right, so the capital we talked about earlier was the business side and the tool side and, and the things that go into making stuff. Now, there's also human capital, which we mentioned. And, and human capital is just us. We're, we're a resource, and we can invest in ourselves. You, probably most of you or some of you will be going to college next year. You're investing in your capital. You're going to try and get some knowledge and some skills and some training, hopefully, uh, in whatever career you might want to do. When you get into your career, maybe you will decide, hey, you know what? I can make more money if I get trained on this computer program or if I get trained to drive this machine or whatever it is you're doing. Uh, So there is that side of human capital as well. The business cycle. So you have, um, and I've always wanted to do this because I'm a U.S. history guy, and I never have. But look through U.S. history uh, through a business cycle lens and just take a look at all the ups and downs we have. But business cycle is just the it's just what we, we go through. You know, there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs uh, as we go through uh, just through our lives. Um, <clears throat> so there are four things you need to remember. There's the trough, the peak, the expansion, the contraction. The trough, that is the very bottom. So that's where things are the worst. Now, we don't know things are the worst. And when I say things are the worst, people are out of work, inflation's high, all that kind of stuff's happening. Factories are shut down. Uh, all that kind of stuff's happening uh, in the trough. And we don't know we're at the very bottom until we look back and say, hey, you know what? March 1st, 2023 was the worst day ever. Okay. Now, the peak is the opposite. The peak is going to be when we're at our best. So people are working. Factories are operating. People are out there spending money and just everything's going great. Now, we don't realize we're in the peak until once again we can look back and say, hey, you know what? That was the best day. That was when the economy was at its absolute perfect, great production. Expansion is when we're coming out of the trough. So that's when we're on the upswing. So expansion is when we're going up. We're coming out of the the doldrums of the trough. And uh, people are starting to get back into work. Factories are starting to open back up. Uh, All that kind of stuff's happening. And then the contraction, uh, that's when we're coming off the peak. So things are going poor. Um, or things have been going great, and all of a sudden we start to see a dip. People start to lose jobs, people spend less money, and things like that. All right, rational thinkers, hopefully it's just us. Okay, we're, we're going to make decisions that benefit us. Um, you know, we, we take a look and we decide, you know what? Uh, the, the benefit is worth the cost, or maybe the benefit is greater than the cost. Sometimes we might get in the marginal. You know, the extra, so the extra benefit here is, is worth the extra cost or whatever it might be. Externalities, you've got positive and negative. So externalities are going to be the things that happen as kind of unintended consequences of, of decisions and uh, whatnot. So we make a decision and then there's all kinds of things that happen uh, because of that, okay? Um, so, 
I <clears throat> get a job or she, let, 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 let us do another thing. So uh, we build an airport. Okay. Uh, now there would be some things that would happen as a result of building that airport. So some positives would be, we're going to create jobs because we're building an airport. We're going to create long-term jobs because people have to not only build the airport, but they have to work at the airport. All right. Um, so you have that as a positive. Now, negative externalities would be the, the bad things that happen. Right. So there's been a lot of maybe noise pollution, regular pollution. You know, if you live right under that airport or you live right around it, you're going to have a lot of, a lot of noise coming in uh, to your house. So, you know, just, uh, externalities are just those extra things that happen as a result of the stuff that, that people we do and um, they can be positive or they can be negative goals of a free market so uh, there's three big ones the, the big one the main one the number one one always is going to be economic freedom we want to have uh, freedom and, and and you're going back to the the types of economies the market economy is supposed to be free of government interference and so there's not going to be anybody in a free market economy telling you Hey, you have to work here. You have to go to school there. You have to get this job. Uh, you have to spend your money this way. Economic freedom means I can choose where I work. I can choose what I do on my paycheck and all those sorts of things. Okay. I can choose where I move to, where I, all that kind of stuff. All righty. Uh, we also want to have uh, efficient, be efficient. We want to use our resources wisely. We want to grow our uh, resources. Uh, and sometimes we want to you know, grow our own Economies. We want to, you know, we want stuff to, to be, uh, to, we want to get more money and better, better things and all that kind of stuff. And that comes from that economic growth that we find in the, uh, the free market economy. Okay. Uh, property rights in the U S so, you know, you're probably familiar. I would, and I'm going to make an assumption here that you might be familiar with some of the the things that we're going to talk about here with the property rights. Um, but almost everything out there has, is, is there, there's things that protect inventors, musicians, people like that. Okay. Uh, so we have a couple things. Um, patents are going to protect people. So if you invent something and you apply for a patent, that's going to protect you and allow you to be the only one that makes that thing for a while. Copyright. That's going to protect your music. It's going to protect your images and things like that. If you get copyrights, um, you know, sometimes people get uh, things like phrases copyrighted. Um, now, don't quote me on this, but I think there used to be this ring announcer for boxing, the let's get ready to rumble guy. I'm pretty sure he copyrighted that. And, you know, if anybody else used the way he said it, then uh, in theory, they owed him money and he could sue them. Uh, I don't know how many suits he actually tried to do, uh, but um, I'm pretty sure that's a right thing. And then there's a couple of amendments that protect rights uh, uh, property as well. Uh, the Fifth Amendment, uh, the 14th Amendment. So there's a couple of different ones out there that protect your rights as well. All right, let's take another quick break here. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right, guys, welcome back. Uh, I'm picking up on the my second page. I'm not sure how it was when you uh, look at the, the document, but uh, demand is on the, the first thing on the back. So that's where I'm picking up. Uh, all right. So first off, the law of demand, uh, that's for us, okay, as consumers. So I think a lot of us uh, can, can really understand demand because as price goes up, we buy less of a product. And as price goes down, we buy more of a product. All right. So that part's pretty simple. Now, as far as graphing goes, you need to understand that <clears throat> there will be uh, two types of, of graphs. There'll be the one where there's movement on the curve, and there's one where there's a shift of the curve. Movement on the curve is where the price has changed. So we're looking at the, the, the demand for pins, and price has gone from a dollar a pin to $10 a pin. We can easily just show that with some plot points. Now, where it gets a little more difficult is going to be when the price stays the same. So the pins stay at a dollar, but something happens outside of that to determine the demand. That's when we have to shift and we have to make a new curve. Alrighty. So some of the things that'll happen, uh, we've got the income of buyers. So as we make more and less money, um, we'll buy more or less. So if our income goes up, we'll buy more of those dollar pins. If our income goes down, we'll buy less of those dollar pins. The pin is not affected. The price stays the same. Just our demand for that dollar pin goes up or goes down. To show an increase, we shift to the right. To show a decrease, we shift to the left. The price of related goods or services, you can have complementary goods or substitutes here. This is key. You got to think about what am I graphing in this situation? Okay. Uh, so with pins, a complementary thing might be paper. You, know, you need a pen. You, if you have a pen, you need some paper. So <clears throat> what am I graphing here? Um, so we're, we're talking about the demand for pens. All right. The pen is staying at a dollar, but paper has gone up in price to a thousand dollars. So we're going to buy less pens because we're not going to buy paper at a thousand dollars. Now, if paper goes down to a penny, maybe we buy more pens because now we have more paper and we need to write on it. All right. That's kind of a silly example, but you know, that's, that's what we're talking about there. Substitutes. Once again, the pen is staying at a dollar. What's happening to the, the pencil though is going to affect the pens. So if pens are a dollar and pencils are a dollar, you know, people will buy, will buy either, either, or the pen stays at a dollar, but pencils go up to $10. Okay. We're not graphing the pencil. <clears throat> we're graphing the pen. More people are going to buy pens because the pencil is now too much. If the price of pencils goes down to 10 cents, well, people are going to buy less pens because 10 cents is less than a dollar. Once again, think about what you're graphing here and what you're looking, looking at. Uh, the tastes, preferences of us as consumers, you know, as we grow tired of a product, we'll buy less of it. Uh, as we enjoy a product, we might buy more of it. The product stays the same, but we might buy more or less based on how we feel uh, about certain items. Okay. Uh, the law of supply is the one that's kind of difficult. At least, you know, when I was in school, it was always just hard to, to get into that mindset of, okay, I'm a supplier. What am I doing? <clears throat> because at the law of supply says that as price goes up, they'll supply more, which is kind of counterintuitive for, for us as consumers because we're going to buy less, but suppliers are going to supply more. And then as price goes down, they supply less, which once again, we're going to buy more 
at those prices, but they want to supply less at those prices. So same deal with uh, demand. You know, if there's just a shift, uh, excuse me, movement, I apologize. If there's movement, that just means the price of the good changed. So it went from $5 to $2. And so we just show in our little plot points, you know, uh, we show the graph. Uh, now, same thing with, with uh, demand. There are things that will cause supply to change when the price stays the same. And that's going to be the shift you know, to the right or the left of our initial curve. Uh, so a couple of things that could affect it. Uh, first off would be um, the cost of inputs. So as the products that make other products increase or decrease, it's going to affect the supply. So if the uh, main component of a cell phone those chips that make up our cell phone go up in cost, then they're probably going to decrease supply. If those chips go down in price, then they're probably going to increase the supply of phones. The phone's going to stay the same for now, all right? But the, the goods that go into making it are going to be uh, more or less. Uh, technology, new technology increases supply. When it breaks down, it decreases supply. Um, number of suppliers, if we add or decrease, that's going to affect supply. More suppliers is an increase in supply. Less uh, suppliers is going to be less supply. The expectations, if I think things are going to go really good in the future, then I'm going to decrease supply now so I can sell more then. If I think things are going to go poorly in the future, then I'm going to flood the market right now. I'm going to increase supply right now. Okay, so those are some of the things. Just take a look. Be sure you, you're familiar with basically the shift and what causes that shift uh, with the, the supply and the demand. Uh, okay, uh, equilibrium. Uh, remember, this is the kind of the perfect price point. This is where price uh, is going to, to be the same as quantity, and uh, it's where supply equals demand. So, hey, at $5, we supplied 10 units. Uh, 10 units were demanded, so everything was golden, and that's going to be the, the middle of the, uh, the, the curve. And Now, when you have both curves on there and something happens to one of them, it can shift equilibrium. So equilibrium can go up and down based on what happens to supply and demand. So just keep that in mind. Uh, and then finally, uh, not finally, excuse me. Uh, I'm <clears throat> getting ahead of myself there. I was trying to end this thing early. Uh, price discrimination, okay, that's where the same product is going to be sold to different buyers at different prices, okay? And so that, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen too much like the major stores uh, anymore. It used to be a problem. Uh, it might be at some smaller stores and things like that. Uh, but, you know, it's once again where you're going to sell the same product uh, at different prices. All right, we're going to take one last break. And when we come back, we will finish this thing off. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, welcome back. We are picking up with Elastic. So when we talk about the elasticity of demand, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we're talking about the response of change, okay? Uh, and, I mean, it could be almost anything, um, but 
in reality, we're, we're, we typically talk about the price. So if the price changes, how much is demand going to change is what we're getting at there. All righty. Um, and so if something is considered elastic, that means that it has changed. Okay. So um, the price changed and the demand changed in response to that. So if cars drop from $30,000 down to 10,000, that's going to elicit a change in demand because people are going to go out and buy those cars because now it's, you're saving $20,000. Let's go buy them. However, if the price changes um, just a little bit from 30,000 to 29,000, that's not going to be a super big, let's run out and buy stuff. So that'd be inelastic, right? Um, <clears throat> because it, it, the price changed, but it wasn't, <clears throat> excuse me, this huge change in, 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 uh, in demand. So elastic are things that are going to have that response. Uh, elasticity occurs when demand responds to the changes in price. Uh, inelasticity is when uh, the demand kind of doesn't change or remains constant or only changes just a little bit. Okay. Uh, now, there is some math in that you can take a look at. Um, you practice some with your... Um, uh, uh, in, in the, in the classroom. So, um, you, you do that by calculating, um, the ratio of the change, uh, in the quantity demanded to the change in the price. Uh, so take a look back at that. There is, I think one math question, uh, on the test. Alrighty. Uh, all right. Short run markets. Oh no. Long run markets is next. So basically in the long run, uh, Firms are able to adjust. So you have all these factors happening, okay? Uh, and, and firms have to take into account all the things. Prices of inputs going up and factories closing and all that kind of stuff. And in the long run, right, so meaning we can look far out there, um, businesses and, and factories and, and, and whatnot are able to adjust to some of those changes uh, versus the short run, which is next, uh, where they, they don't have that option uh, as much. Okay. Um, but yeah, in the long run, firms can, can make changes. They can lead their markets if they want to. Like, this isn't working for us. Let's get out of here. Uh, in the short run, <clears throat> it is going to be the, uh, I'm trying to say, explain how this, how to explain it. Uh, in the short run, firms are going to face all these costs, okay? And they can't adjust as quick, and they can't adjust like they can in the long run. And so uh, output, uh, wages, supply, and all those things are, are going to be affected in the short run more so than they will in the long run because, once again, in the long run, firms can adjust to those things. So... Uh, it's really all about the adjustments that can happen uh, in the, the long run versus the, uh, the, the short run. Okay. Uh, all right. Perfect competition. So we have these, this, these models. Okay. You've got perfect competition, monopolistic competition, oligopoly, oligopoly, and monopoly. And in perfect competition, this is where there's a ton of buyers and sellers and they 
the sellers are all selling the exact same thing. So basically there is no price competition or excuse me. The only thing that is available is price competition In perfect competition. There's no differences. We're all, you know, all five of us would be selling the exact same thing. Let's say we're selling apples. Our apples are exactly the same. They were grown under the same conditions. Everything is the same. The only thing that would you know, set us apart uh, might be our prices. Okay. In monopolistic competition, we start to get to some differences. So the, the products are products are still, I can't talk right now. The products are still, still similar, but there are some differences. And so uh, the price might not be the only thing that we kind of highlight. My favorite example of a, a monopolistic competition is um, laundry detergent. All laundry detergent does the same thing. But if you watch the commercials, they all try to highlight something different. I've been listening to a, uh, some podcasts and one of them is sponsored by, I can't remember which laundry detergent, but they, they talk about the differences. Hey, this laundry detergent is 85% water. Our laundry detergent over here is this, this, and this. And, and it's just, they're trying to highlight the differences. You know, if you ever watch one and see a commercial, uh, you might see them like take a, a perfectly nice shirt and you know, put mud and ketchup and all kinds of stuff on it and then they'll wash it in theirs and they'll wash it in the, the leading competitors theirs is always going to come out better they're trying to highlight those differences uh an oligopoly is where there's a few sellers and they kind of run things they're going to be the ones that really dictate what the prices are going to be um you have price leadership there uh, think of like uh, fast food You've got a couple of, of, of the big timers, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, things like that, uh, car industry, sports, uh, like Nike and uh, Adidas and Reebok and those guys. So you have a couple of big leaders. Okay. And then a monopoly, that's where you have one seller. And this is where it's not fair for me and you as the consumer because monopolies can really unfairly set prices. Now, you know, we, we always go right to, well, monopolies will set the price way too high. And that might be true. They, they might set it higher than it should be. But if they set it way out of our price range, they're really just, you know, shooting themselves in the foot there because if I can't afford it, I can't afford it. Now, if they set their price maybe a dollar higher, two dollars higher, whatever it might be, that's still unfair to me, but I might be able to afford it. So hopefully that makes sense. All right. Marginal is just the extra. So when you see anything marginal, like, hey, marginal cost or marginal benefit, uh, or anything like that. It just means, hey, extra cost, extra benefit. And businesses have to take this into account because, you know, uh, if they decide, hey, we're going to work an extra hour tonight. So that's the the marginal, hey, extra, extra time put in. But is it, is that marginal cost, you know, paying you the, the worker and the laborer and things like that, uh, going to be worth the marginal benefit? So is it, is it going to be worth it? So the extra there. All right. The last half of the test, I think there's three or four questions that are going to be um, short answer. And short answer means that you're going to have to be able to graph some things. You're going to have to be able to write out some answers. So just be prepared. Uh, have some, some paper and some pencil uh, to be able to, to write your answers and get that uh, part done. But uh, you got to know what productivity is and be able to talk about that. Um, and you know, you have to be able to graph, so be prepared to do some graphing. Uh, it's tough to, to talk about graphing on a podcast. Uh, so hopefully you've been practiced, you've practiced and are ready to go, uh, with that, but that is it. So, um, 
we're going to – I'll be on Zoom on Sunday afternoon. I'll put a timeout later on down the road. And if after listening to this thing, if you've made it this far, if after listening to this thing you're like, I really need to talk to him about this, then pop into the Zoom. If you feel okay, then I'll just sit on Zoom for a little bit. If no one comes in, then, you know, uh, I'm going to assume that you're good. Uh, I'll answer emails and questions like that. But, uh, you know, that that's how we'll do this thing. We will not meet during the week of the 6th because you're going to be taking your test. Uh, so there's nothing really to talk about. Guys, best of luck. Uh, I hope all is going well. We are halfway done with the semester. We're almost there, getting close to the end. Uh, as always, reach out if I can help you. Uh, come to the Zooms. Let's talk if I need to. Uh, but if nothing else, shoot me an email, and I'll try and help you out. All right, guys, take care. Bye-bye.